Well, hello, everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. What's family life like for us right now? I tell you what, it's pretty awesome. We are at the lake, Mm -hmm. and I just got out of the water, and it was so awesome. Hal, you were gone on an errand. Yeah. But while we were out in the water, it started raining, like, really, really hard, but I didn't hear any thunder. So I didn't make the kids get out, and it was so cool. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Great big fat drops, and they hit the water and bounced off. It, it was it was just really neat. Well, that's the key, because here in the south, an afternoon thunderstorm is just kind of part of the schedule. And when that thunder rumbles, you get out of the water. But if there's no thunder, then, uh, you know, who cares? If you're wet above or wet below, it's all right. It was pretty neat. That's neat. Well, it's good. Um, this, is our, this is our annual rest, recuperation, and writing retreat. Yeah. Four R's. How's that? Hasn't been enough of the writing, though. We we need to well, get... Well, this is the rest recuperation uh, writing retreat with relationships. So five <laughs> R's this time, because we've had lots of company coming and visiting oh, yeah, we at have. the same time. But that's another whole story. But we're working on yeah. a new book. We're working on a book about the transition to adulthood. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is going to... I think it is going to be good. I think it's something that a lot of us are... <sighs> Well, I won't say we're struggling with it, but I think we get to it and say, oh my, I didn't think about that. And we we need to be thinking about it because really the transition to adulthood starts when they start walking. That, you know, we titled our first book, Raising Real Men, when we're we're talking about parenting boys, but ultimately we don't want to raise boys. We want to raise young men. And so with that, always keeping that in mind, that's why we chose that title. And I mean, you're totally right. We are raising disciples for the Lord here, and it's not just a matter of making it through the toddler years or making it through the teenage years. It's a matter of preparing them for life, and that's a long-term commitment. Well, you know, I, I didn't, I've never really understood the moms who just get hysterical and depressed when their kids go off to college because, or leave home, however they leave home, mm-hmm. because I've always felt like I want them to grow up. I want them to take their place in the world. Neither do I understand the moms who are like, woo, all my kids have left now and really have fun because I love my kids and I miss them. Right. You know, we dropped right. one off at college last weekend, and yeah, I cried because I'm going to miss him. But you feel like we have raised him for this. We've prepared yes. him for this. He is stepping into the role that God has laid out in front of him. This is it, It's right. It's the right, right. thing. It's the and right so, thing to do. And so, yeah, you, you, yeah, you recognize, hey, I'm, I'm going to miss that that person around the table i'm going to miss having them there around the clock but we rejoice at this new stage of their life absolutely so, so that's not you know that that's kind of kind of where we are right at the moment but i think this is going to be a good book i think it's something that'll be helpful for a lot of folks because we have launched get that now five of them now five have kids. graduated and moved off into their next stage of life and so we're you know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I never thought. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, back when they're back when your oldest is just a preteen and you've got toddlers and nursing babies. It seems and everything, like it's going to be forever. You yeah, you think it's going to be an eternity in the future, and it's not. No, it's it happens not. so fast. And you know, cherish this, these times, even when you feel overwhelmed and exhausted, and you wonder how in the world it's going to go faster than you ever dreamed possible. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the majority of our kids are adults now. Yeah. That's really weird. Not that we don't still have kids at home, because we do. We do, but, yeah, it, the dynamic is changing. So, Well, we've avoided it as long as possible, Hal, but I think we, we need to talk about what everybody's talking about. You know, an interesting thing, there was a scandal back 
earlier in the summer. And Scott Adams, who's a cartoonist, but he's also a political commentator, made the observation. He said, you know, I have a policy that I don't comment on these breaking news stories for at least 48 hours. I think that's pretty smart. To let the, the fog clear a little bit. Um, you know, Because things come out. Things come out. And sometimes... There's more well, to the story what is the than... Word, what is the word says? You well, know, when the Proverbs it says that, that one's, one seems right... When he states his case until his neighbor comes and questions him. Yeah. So, you know, it it's good to let these stories percolate a little bit to make sure that you're getting the whole story and getting the balance on it. And um, so that's, yeah. So what are we talking about? We are talking about a major deal in the homeschooling community. Well, in the Christian community in general. Christian community in general. But I think, you know. Because... For, it, what we've seen in the past couple of months is mm-hmm. some significant, well-known Christian leaders walking away from the faith. And that is something that we need to talk about, not so much to evaluate these these people's ministries and everything, but to say, okay, well, what can we learn from this? What should we take, in, take into account, and how can we talk about it to our kids? Yeah. Because that's an important thing. We have to help our kids understand things from a Christian perspective, and in order for us to explain it to them, we have to have a Christian perspective, and so you know we have to be thinking these things ahead of the conversations if we can. Absolutely. So, all right. So the the one that we're talking about, the one that really came on the scene first, is Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris, right at the end of July, uh, came out with a couple of posts on Instagram. First off, to announce that he and his wife of 19 or 20 years were separating. And all yeah. sorts of, you know, stuff that was said about it. But, you know, basically, that's it. Their marriage is over. Three kids in the picture. Um, and then he followed that right up and said, oh, and sort of like, by the way, um, he announced that he no longer considers himself a Christian. Yeah. And, and I mean, that he he has reevaluated his, his faith, and, and he's decided that by any, any definition that he can think of, he would not qualify as a and, Christian anymore. And there's a lot of definitions, some of which probably aren't really Christian. And, and that is, that's a major thing. Now, um, like two weeks or three weeks after Joshua Harris's announcement, uh, Marty Sampson, who's a worship leader with uh, Hillsong United, uh, Marty Sampson made a similar announcement that uh, he was... In the process, I think he said, of losing his faith or leaving his faith. Now, I also saw some things that said maybe he's walked that statement back some since it was made. So I'm not really going to go into that because I haven't followed his ministry much. But Joshua Harris has been around for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, if you are one of those homeschoolers who just came into the scene, maybe you haven't heard of them just real briefly. Joshua Harris is the son of of Greg Harris and Sonno Harris. one of the very, they were, so Greg and Sonno Harris were some of the very earliest of homeschool leaders. They, they were, wrote some of the very earliest mm-hmm. homeschooling materials that help people know how to homeschool. They were, they were major founding, founders, I'd say, of the Christian homeschooling back movement. Back in the early 80s. Yeah, back in the early 80s or the late 70s even. So their names have been around for a very long time. Joshua Harris is one of their sons, and at the age of 19, he wrote a tremendously influential book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. It, it really introduced his vision of courtship as an alternative to the modern dating process. And Sold then, like 1.2 million copies. That's huge. Yeah, and then he went on to write other books, including mm-hmm. a, a book about 
getting to know God better and mm-hmm. studying theology called Dug Down Deep. Yeah. And so for somebody like that to, to walk away from Christianity, it's a shock. Well, he pastored a megachurch in Maryland for several oh, yeah. years. Now, he resigned from that because he wanted to get more theological training, he said. But and, and you know, the, the point being, this is somebody who has been a leader in the homeschooling movement, in the homeschooling culture, in, in local church life. Yeah, and in um, evangelical culture, too. In the evangelical culture, Beyond yeah. the homeschool movement. Yeah. You know, I'm, one thing that we talked about before we before we started this, when we were talking about doing this session, is yeah. the important one important thing we need to take away yeah. as Christians is we, we should not rejoice in these things. You know, we have a lot of disagreement with, Greg, with Josh Harris. We have yeah. a lot of disagreement with Hillsong mm-hmm. over various things. But we cannot rejoice when in the misfortune of others. You well, know, unfortunately, the Christian the Christian world is expert in what the political people call the circular firing squad. Oh yeah. But basically, we all line up and shoot at one another, and we're really bad about that. Sometimes a feeling like, well, I've chosen the people that I consider my leaders or my teachers, and other people that disagree with us, I I disagree with them, and you know. But We've the, got to be very careful not to rejoice in the fall of another believer. Well, Proverbs 24 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, mm-hmm. and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, mm-hmm. lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Well, and you know... And, and you know, because I, I do hear some people saying, you know, look at, look at that, mm-hmm. and we, we just can't do that. We, you know, that's... I think one thing that we lose sight of is that the world, those outside of the Christian community, and and I'm talking about a big tent sort of Christian community, those on the outside don't really make much distinction. When they look at somebody who claims the name of Christ, the world that's outside of the church doesn't really, they don't seem to distinguish beyond possibly distinguishing Roman Catholic from non-Roman Catholic. But they, you know... Distinctions like fundamentalist, evangelical, reformed, charismatic versus Pentecostal. Um, uh, they don't. You know, that, that, that to them it's all Jesus people. And, mm. you know, from the outside, from the outside perspective, they see here's somebody who was a preacher and he has walked away from what he used to preach. He's yeah. walked away from the faith and rejected it all. And, and that is a blow to the reputation of Christ, even mm. though... On the inside, we look at each other and say, you know what, there's there's maybe some things we need to discuss. There's some divisions that may exist for good reasons. But to the outside world, it just looks like a failure of Christ and his people. And yeah. we gotta we gotta be sad for that. Yes. We have to we have to look at that and say, you know what, that's that's the impact on the, the world. But on the other hand, how mm-hmm. we should Look at the things we should not be listening to these young to these people for advice, because mm. you know the fellow who um, from Hillsong yes. said was saying, you know there are all these big issues. Why is nobody in the church mentioning this? Why are there no answers? There are answers, and they're in and, the Word of God. And the church is talking about it all over the place. But, yes, but apparently now again I'm saying this as somebody who hasn't really followed. You know, I haven't followed that ministry, so I'm just saying it sounds like a person who's been in a bubble somewhere, and maybe in his poor part of the Christian world, they're not talking about it. But 
out in the rest of evangelical community is certainly in discussion one way or another. And so, yeah, we need to be cautious about that. I think, you know, one thing that comes to my mind, because there are some Christian, well, so-called Christian leaders who have written some things that I strongly disagree with, much more so than, than even some things that we would differ on Joshua Harris's writing. Um, and I have friends who like some of these authors and recommend their books. And I, you know, I say, is there no prophet in Israel? Is there not somebody who is sound in their theology, who is sound in their faith, who's consistent in their walk and their following of Christ, you know, it, that, that you can point to them instead of this one who's really out on a fringe somewhere. This one who may have one or two good points embedded in a book that's full of errors. You know, why would you even recommend that book when there's surely there's somebody else that has the same message that's more reliable? And that, you know, yeah. that's something we have to keep in mind when you see something like this. Like you said, as some of Joshua Harris's later writings were some theological writings, which, you know what? Maybe there's some good things in there, but there are more reliable people who say those yeah. same good things. When someone has walked away from the faith, you cannot hold them up as a teacher. Scripture says, mm-hmm. 1 John 2, Hal says, yeah. they went out from us, but they were not of us. Mm-hmm. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they yeah. went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. They are all are not of us. Right. And there's some pretty scary things in Hebrew, in yeah. Hebrew 6, yeah. about the case of those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, who've tasted the goodness of the word of the Lord and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away. You know, it says it's impossible to restore them to repentance. I hope that's not true of these young men. You know, I hope that's not, and I'm showing my age by calling them young, but I hope that's not true of these men. I know. That they cannot be restored to repentance. But let's say this. Mm -hmm. If someone says, I have walked away from the faith, then you have got to say, then I will not listen to this person as a teacher, period. Right. You, you, you have to say, okay, this is a person who has publicly separated himself from Christ and his people. And so yes. the, the, this is no different at that point than somebody who's totally outside, who has never claimed Christ, but is writing about the Bible or writing about Christian yeah. life or something, which there are people like that. Yeah. But you have to say, why should I follow an outsider's advice when there are people on the inside who are following, who uh, presumably are being led by the Holy Spirit right. rather than walking away from him. So, now, you know, I know we need to take a break and yeah. thank our wonderful sponsor. Yes. But after the break, we're going to talk about how do you talk to your kids and particularly your teens about this? Because this kind of thing can cause a crisis of faith for our teens. That's a really crucially important thing to discuss. So let's, yeah, let's come back to that. Stick with us. Let's hear from our sponsor, Okay. From the creators of War Room. You need to do your fighting in prayer. On August 23rd, the Kendrick brothers return to the big screen with Overcomer. Why have a season with one runner? One runner matters. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. What have you allowed to define you? When you find your identity in the one who created you, It'll change your whole perspective. Overcomer. In theaters August 23rd, starring Alex Kendrick, Priscilla Shirer, and Sherry Rigby. 
Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. For tickets and showtimes, visit OvercomerMovie.com. Is that? That's Hannah. Run, Hannah! Oh, you said I'm yours. And I okay, so we're talking about Christian leaders who have fallen away from the faith, who have who have just walked away from it. And specifically, we were looking most recently at Joshua Harris, uh, you know, very influential evangelical author and teacher for many years, and just this past uh, the past month has announced that he's turned away from the Lord. He's walked away from Christ. He does not consider himself a Christian any longer. Okay, so um, we were talking about, you know, how do we process that as believers ourselves? You know, how do we look at their ministry? How do we react to this ourselves? But you bring up a very good point, Melanie. That is, this is something that our children hear as well. How do we explain this to them? Particularly if it's somebody that you have followed, advised, maybe shared their books with your young maybe people or something. Maybe required your kids to read yeah. something that they've done or listen to their music or something. Yeah. How do you talk to your kids about this? Mm-hmm. I think that we have to go back to the Word of God. We have to be Berean. You know, that in the yes. book of Acts, when the... Uh, when the apostles went and they spoke to the to the uh, the Jews in the town of Berea, the scriptures tell us that they were more noble. The Bereans were more noble than the others because they always went back to the scriptures to compare what they were hearing to see if it was so. Now, of course, what the apostles were teaching was biblical, so that's good. But the scriptures really highlight that that the people in Berea were noble in their in their reliance on the scripture as their foundation to say, hey. This is interesting. They didn't reject the apostles' teaching. They listened to them, and then they went back to the Word and say, is this consistent with what we believe already to be true? Well, and so I, mm-hmm. I think what you need to do, yeah. and and don't put this off or resist it, because yeah. this is a great opportunity, actually. This is an opportunity to really talk to your kids about what it means to be a believer and mm-hmm. how serious all this is. And, and to have a real heart to tar- heart with them. And I think a good place to start, Hal, is the parable of the wheat and the tares. Okay, because the wheat and the, the story of the wheat and the tares. And that's in Matthew 13. Thank you, Matthew chapter 13. Toward the end. Great, a great illustration because the parable that Jesus told was uh, a landowner whose, whose crop is starting to come up and his servants say, hey, you've got good seed out there, you've got wheat coming up. But you've got these tares or darnels or whatever the whatever the type of plant is. There's a plant that in its early stages looks very much like a, a, a young wheat plant. You really and can't tell a difference till harvest comes. And, until it comes, until they reach fruition, and you realize, oh, that is obviously not the same thing. It's got different seeds or different leaf structure or whatever it is. And so, yeah. you know, what the Lord said was, you you got to recognize sometimes these things are mixed, and sometimes you have to just let them develop for a time to show their fruit you know yes and so you know we can talk to our kids and say the the bible makes it plain that there are people in the church who look like they're christians who act like they're christians but they're not Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't know until you see their fruit sometimes we won't know till we stand before god right and so we know this is going to happen the lord warned us about it yeah. And so how do we know 
But then maybe we should look at ourselves and examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Well, that's what Paul says. You know, Paul says to examine yourselves and see whether you truly are in the faith. And that's, um, you know, it's always good to come to our personal walk with that sense of humility. To say, you know what, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And I could be deceiving myself. Yeah. And it's always, you know, it's always good to do a kind of a gut check, if you will, in these kind of things to say, am I in danger of this same sort of error? Is this something that I could stumble into myself? You know, whatever, whatever led into Joshua Harris's walking away from the faith and walking away from his marriage at the same time, you know what, that didn't start in July. That's no. not something that started earlier that week. And he woke up one morning and said, you know what, I think I'm just going to walk away from it all. I just think I'm going to throw it out and I'll mm-hmm. do it publicly. That That's something that was brewing for a long time. Yes. It was growing up just like the tares amongst the wheat. And, and we should encourage our kids that if they have doubts, mm-hmm. if they're struggling in their faith, not to sit there and say and, and force it down and be mm-hmm. afraid to say something, but to come to us because there are answers. There are good answers. You know, one of the great one of the great stories that uh, shows in the Gospels is when a father came to Jesus and asked him if he would heal his child. He said, "said I know that you can do this if you're willing, uh, if you will." And the Lord said, "If you know, you you need to believe." And this father cries out, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." And, and the see, Lord took pity is, on him. The, and the Lord, Lord gave him faith. Exactly. And see, that is the attitude that our kids should have, and that's how we should see our kids. You know that. Some people get really, really unnerved if they're, say, their preteens or their teenager express some doubts or they question some things which are fundamental about the faith. But that's very say, normal at that age. That's very normal at that age. And we need to say in our hearts, you know what? They're looking for a reason to believe. They're not necessarily trying to overthrow what we're teaching them. Yes. They're trying to get rooted into that faith. And, you know, they're developing. They're still immature. They need the encouragement. Well, I was reading in Isaiah. I've been reading Isaiah and Jeremiah the past couple of months, my devotions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Lord says, come and let us reason together. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have to be afraid of questions. We don't have to be afraid of our kids using their minds. We need to encourage them. There are answers. Yeah. And that, um, and encourage, and then we need to talk to them about exactly what is the gospel. And that is an important thing in this particular situation to say, what am I trusting in for my salvation? Am I trusting in the way that I look or the things that I do or the way I act or that I go to church or that I'm in a Christian family? Or am I trusting in Jesus alone for my salvation? And am I trusting in Jesus alone for my sanctification? Because I think a lot of our friends, a lot of people we know, stumble in this area because they understand you're saved by grace through faith okay we're not going to be saved by our works but then they forget that paul says in galatians you know that having begun by the spirit are you now perfected by the flesh no you're not that's just it and i I went through a crisis with that as a young believer when i was in college my last couple of years you know i'd been saved for two or three years at that time and i remember it finally it like landed on me with both feet that the grace that saved me was the grace that kept me. Absolutely. And, and it wasn't my perfect obedience. It wasn't my theological understanding or my uh, level of spiritual sophistication. It was grace, 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 grace. All grace. And, and, on him. Because, see, yeah. 
we don't have to be anxious and burdened about how are we going to please God because Jesus already did. Uh-huh. Jesus kept the law for us. He pleased God for us. And God loves us for Jesus' sake. And we obey God because we love God. Yes. And we love God because God loved us first. Yes. And that's the order we have to keep in our minds, you know, that you know, we obey because we are like children who love a heavenly father, not because we are trying to appease an angry judge, but rather no. to say, God has graciously saved me. I want to show my gratitude by walking in the way that he wants me to walk. And so talk to your kids about the gospel. Yes. Talk to them about making sure their hope is in Jesus Christ and not in anything else. Mm-hmm. But their hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's you know, that brings up a good way to know when teachers are going astray. Mm-hmm. You know, all teachers all need accountability. We can we can very easily fall fall into a celebrity trap, you know, if we have a if we have a very uh, very eloquent preacher, we have a particular teacher that we follow that, you know, they just speak so well and, and we agree with them so much and we're, they're very encouraging and all the rest of that, that it's sometimes it's easy to get to fall in the line behind this teacher in such a way that if they go astray, we might follow them right into the ditch. Well, and what, and I think too, we are quick to elevate people. Just because someone is a good musician does not mean they're a good theologian. Yeah. Just because someone has an interesting idea mm-hmm. at 19 or 20 years old does not mean that people need to change the entire world to suit it. Right. You know, that's scary. I think we're, we are too... You know, the, the work tells us to be careful not to lay hands on a man too quickly. And, you know, you know, to his credit, Joshua Harris recognized that a few years ago, and he, and he started walking back some of his earlier writing because he said, I was 19 when I wrote that. Yeah. You know, he said uh, he recognized that that was too much for a 19-year-old to take on and too much to come back and, you know, yeah. to build up a 19-year-old's pride. He, he recognized yeah. that. So, but, you know, we need to be careful mm-hmm. to not to be looking for at singers and songwriters or Christian mm-hmm. celebrities or Christian actresses mm-hmm. or Christian speakers and writers like us yeah. for our hope either. People need to be looking at Jesus for their hope and they need to be examining everything they're taught by the word of God. And Ma- that means that you look at the song that you're singing and yes. you say, is this worship song in, lo- in line with what I know about God? Is it in line with what I know about from the word of God? Because I hear some that aren't. Well, I remember R.C. Sproul, great theologian. R.C. Sproul said when he was a young, a young pastoral student, he was giving a um, he was giving a demonstration sermon in one of for one of his classes, and he he made a big a big deal about this term of inf, God's infinite grace, and the instructor asked him at the end. He said, what, "What scripture are you calling for that?" And he thought and thought and thought and thought and says, "Well, I'm not sure if I can." And said, "No, you know what." Scripture doesn't say that God's grace is infinite. There's many things about God that are infinite, but there are some songs that talk about infinite grace, which, yeah. you know, we shouldn't take our theology from the songs. Our theology should come from the from the scriptures. And it, so, yeah. We, we also need to be careful and watch for teachers who are adding a bunch of rules onto the Word of God. She, that, that's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees said, 
Okay, here's God's law. Yes. We don't want anybody to get near breaking it, so we're going to make these extra laws and fence it off so yes. that people can't get there. And the Lord was very harsh with him. They right. were very. He was very harsh with them. Mm-hmm. And so we need when we hear a teacher saying about something that is not directly addressed in the Word of God. Yes. This is the only way to do it. This is the only way to raise a child or to find a mate or to whatever. If it if it were the only way, if it were sin to do something different, God would have told us. And it may be a a sincerely held conviction by that teacher. But we try to be we try to be um, careful about saying that kind of thing ourselves, you know, because we have convictions about things. We look at some scriptures and say, "I think there may be an application here," right? But or, other people may have a different conviction about these. Yes, and, and here's a principle. Here's how we have lived that out in our family. Have you considered this? Your mileage may vary. Yeah, rather than say, the scripture says this, therefore, bang. If the scripture it, if gives us a enough, command, there's no debate. That's right. what we've got to do. Thou shalt not no debate. No debate. Mm. But we've got to be really, really cautious about when people add on a bunch of extra things and say, this, you got to do this to be a Christian because that very easily leads to a false gospel. Well, and that's, that's something we need to be very cautious about with our families to say, okay, children, this is a commandment of God. It's cut and dried. There's no debate. Okay, so we're not going that, that you're not even going to ask, you know, are, are there other ways to God than, than through Jesus? Because he tells us there's no other way. That's yeah. just a set. We're not going to, okay. you know, but, but, the, the scripture says, do not look at a woman with lust in your heart. Porn is not debatable, right, you know? Right, but, but, you know, those are things that are very clear. There are other things which are derived from principles, you yes. know, say... Okay, these are from the Proverbs. They're not given as a commandment. They're given as a as wisdom. So we recommend that you avoid debt. Right. Debt's a burden. Right. You, you know? recognize that it's it's not a neutral thing. It does have consequences. Then there's other things which we do because we have to manage a household. Household rules. And I have I have baggage in my past, and I don't want to be, you know, tempted by something in my past which may be perfectly okay for other people with other histories. Yeah, and that's and so, okay. It's all right for somebody to come up with a rule, mm-hmm. a household rule. You're not. I don't want you doing this in my house, or don't throw a ball in the kitchen, or whatever. But that doesn't rise to the level of God's commandments. We need to make sure our kids understand that. So we've got to be sure that we signpost the things which are non-negotiable commands of Scripture versus here are principles which we might derive from Scripture versus these are mom and dad's household rules, and other people's households may run on different rules, and that's okay. So you need to get and you need to talk to them, and you yeah. need to say. You know what? Let's talk about this. Let's talk mm-hmm. about wheat and tares. Let's talk about false teachers. You know, let's talk about um, what the gospel truly is. Yeah. And make sure that our kids understand that Jesus died for them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that their sin is, that if they repent of their sin and trust him as their savior, their mm-hmm. sin's covered and that they're, they're made clean. And, and, and let's let's finish up. We're going to run a few minutes over, but I think this is important. Let's recognize this. Even pastors and even leaders and even teachers need the accountability. They need yes. brethren to come to them and say, Brother, sister, have you considered that what you just said may not have been biblical? Or maybe you overlooked something which was uncomfortable, but really the scriptures are pretty clear about? Or maybe you're not living out what the Bible is telling us here. Because you, you, we've got an example. Read through the book of Galatians. 
Paul talks about his early years as an apostle. After many years of teaching to the Gentiles, he went up to Jerusalem and met with the other apostles. He met with Peter to say, hey, you know, is this, am I on, on track teaching an error? You know, and they examined his ministry and said, no, no, everything's, you're, you're good. Because they, none of us are above that. And you yet. Know? Yeah, and, and, and yet, yet. People think there are, I have, hell, I mm-hmm. had a friend. Yes. Who went to her pastor for counsel recently. Yeah. And. And the pastor acted really weird, very defensive and angry. Mm-hmm. And turns out he was embroiled in the same sin. Yeah, and see, yeah. he needed he needed somebody to confront him in love and say, "Brother, you have a problem here, and I'm not your enemy, but how can I pray for you? And what can I do to help? Because where you're you're on a you're on a dangerous path, just like well, continuing I told this friend that they yeah. needed mm-hmm. to go to the other elders of the church. And just like in Galatians, Paul talks about. When he was dealing with it, with the people that he was ministering to, who were Gentiles, <clears throat> that Peter came and took part in the, everything there and was eating with the Gentiles and fellowshipping with the Gentiles, which a, a traditional Jew would not have done, except when some of the Jewish believers came into the picture, Peter withdrew from the Gentiles and the Apostle Paul confronted him publicly in front of other people, said, you are not living out the truth. And you know what? That is, sometimes that's necessary. And that was not Paul saying, and I'm never going to listen to you again, Peter. You have just completely invalidated your ministry. No, Paul was saying, we are your brother. Yeah. It wasn't to reject him. It wasn't to condemn him, but to call him to account. For the sake of their souls. Yes. But also for the sake of our children's souls and their followers' souls. Because these kind of things really can rock the faith of our teens. Yes. The teens have a tremendously sensitive hypocrisy meter. Right. And they are very quick to think, well, then everything they've been teaching is complete BS, and so I don't have to believe any of it, which is not necessarily true. You should right. definitely examine everything they've said. But yeah. we need to realize that Christian, that Jesus is different from his followers. And yeah. his followers can sin and fall aside and do wrong and I, and I hope they repent, but yeah. Jesus did it right, and Jesus obeyed the law of God, and he yeah. was not a hypocrite. Yeah, and, you know, Peter denied Christ. Yeah. And, and Peter and, went on and died for Christ yes. later. You know, and so and, and this is not pra- the end of the story. That's it, my prayer for these leaders mm-hmm. that have fallen away, that they would, that like Peter, they would be restored. Yeah, that they would be restored. And, and you know what? Yeah, there's damage that's been done. There's people who've been hurt. And even if they come back to the Lord, there's going to be things that need to be repaired and rebuilt. But for their own souls, we hope to see that they do repent and come back. This is not the end of the story. Where there is life, there is hope. And so pray for your leaders. You know, Pray for those who, who stumble and, and who may be distracted or falling away. Pray for Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson. But remember, as you said over and over, our hope is in Jesus Christ, our oh, truth Lord. is in the scriptures, and the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I am following Christ. Yes, amen. You know what? We follow the leaders that God has gifted to the church because they are faithfully following the Lord who owns that church and who died for that church. So that's what we should be looking for. Always look past the one that we're following to make sure he is close behind the one yeah. who died for us.
be a Berean. Examine, examine what you're taught by the Word of God. Amen. Okay, look, I appreciate it. Thank you for giving us an extra few minutes there, because this is an important thing, and we do need to be talking yes. about it. We do need to be thinking biblically about it. And we need to be talking with our kids and our teens about it, too. That's right. So... We hope that you'll join us again as we open up the scriptures and and open up some principles and suggest some applications maybe to help you make biblical. Okay, until next time, I'm Hal. Wait, before you sign off. More, more. We just started a new boot camp 9 to 12. It's not too late to join. Mm -hmm. Join in. You can listen to the recording of this week and join us on Tuesday night. Yep. Go to RaisingRealMen.com slash boot camp. That's correct. And that's for parents of 9 to about 14. Yes. Okay. So... We hope we'll see some of you there. But look, we do thank you for joining us and for sticking around here to the end. And so we hope you'll join us again. Until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Bye-bye now. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E. Dot com, or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Alan Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening. <laughs>